podcast, Can You Take My Shift? Your favorite coworkers are off the clock and back for another episode. Hello, girl bosses. Did you miss us? Well, we are back and ready for part two. Now, normally, Amy, I would ask you how your week was. We would do a little chit-chat beforehand. You know, you tell me something funny. I would laugh. I'd tell you something just a little off the cuff. You'd be like, Kelsey. Are you okay? Yeah. But we don't have time for that this week. No, because the, <laughs> the first two episodes of the documentary were pretty... Like, low-key, we're like, okay, you were explaining to the company, some, like, kind of crazy stuff happens, two of their children got married, whoop-dee-doo. Honestly, now that we have watched the last two parts of this documentary, that looks like nothing. Oh, that is that is nothing now. That is a footnote. <laughs> That's literally a footnote. So, we're just gonna jump right into the absolute mess that these last two episodes of the documentary were. We, I think... Every episode was about 40, 45 minutes, give or take. And we sat down to watch episode three yesterday as we were recording this. And I think it took us almost two hours to get through episode three. (laughs) Because we just kept having to go, pause, what the fuck? (laughs) Or we had to, like, take notes and just, like, double check that, like, we heard that correctly. Or just, like, this was really off the cuff to say or, like sexist misogynistic whatever it was a lot yeah like i was writing things down and um, i was like no 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 an actual person did not say this we have to go back we have to go back and we would pause it and it'd be like kelsey only 30 seconds has gone by (laughs) since the last time we paused it it was so bad And it was too early in the day for us to start drinking, so we couldn't even do that before we watched. I know. We said we were going to drink before we filmed this podcast, but you know what? It was 2 o'clock yesterday when we watched it. It's 2 o'clock today. We have other things to do. We got some stuff to accomplish, so unfortunately, none of that. But hopefully, the stuff we're about to talk about will just, like, get you through it anyway. (laughs) So it opens with Mark and Deanne how they would go live every Thursday over Zoom to talk um, about to their, cons- like the, what do they call the Lula They're like filler? consultants. Consultants, yeah. They, to talk to the consultants in the company. And Mark would always say, don't align yourself with people who distract from the culture. And it pans to their nephew, Sam, who, <laughs> we'll get into more of what Sam's done a little yeah. bit later. Uh, if Just to follow up, Sam was talked about in the first two episodes he was their nephew who did a lot of the event planning for them yes Mm -hmm. so he said literally he said they wanted people to drink the kool-aid yeah they went live just to like double check on people make them like excited want to get out there recruit more people and it was very much of if somebody doesn't believe in you they always would say if someone doesn't believe in you and your business that's not the kind of person you should be around no they would tell them to like cut those people out of your lives don't talk to those people they Mm -hmm. they they just want to see you fail and we want to see you soar and be successful and they had the sad fact is they had all these women like so devote to that like courtney from one of the previous episodes literally said if deanne told me to jump off a bridge i would have yeah like people it was it was becoming like so like cult 
culture at this point. And like literally this is how the episode opens up and you're yeah. like, okay, so we're like really getting into it yeah, now. Yeah, we're really getting into the fact that this is a cult. And then like, you know how you can be famous? Well, of course you could be you can be famous in cults as well. And it was a big thing that if you were in the photo shoots, the webinars, the social media famous, you were Lula famous. And that was a big thing. Everybody wanted to be Lula famous. Everyone wanted to be Lula famous because when you were Lula famous, you got really, uh, you were in good with like Mark and Deanne. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark and Deanne made you feel really special when you were around them. Like you were the only person in the world that mattered to them. They wanted what was best for you. They treated you like family. Mm -hmm. So people wanted that right they wanted to be in good graces with the higher ups like who wouldn't be like if you were started to be treated like really really well by these people like taken out for nice dinners given these huge bonuses i mean like i wouldn't say no like i would question it a little bit but like at that time like it's really really hard to see like it's rose-colored glasses like that's what all these people had a hundred percent they had they have this it also gave them that drive because it was something that they could achieve without Mark and Deanne really having to pay for it because they talked about previously how if you were a trainer, you got the famous trainer watch. Yeah. You achieved the cruise. Well, all they have to do is post a picture of you and suddenly you're Lula famous. It was another thing for these women to achieve in order to get them to, again, recruit more and sell more. Yeah. And especially like go to these conventions. And then the conventions were a really, really big thing. Like, we talked about it in the last episode, how they held these, like, massive conventions. But I wanted to get the point across as, like, it was almost like they were going on, like, countrywide tours. Mm-hmm. These, like, LuLaRoe, like, massive conventions. Because yeah. I've actually, I've never been to a convention. But I've been to, like, I've been to the Vancouver Convention Center. That's actually where I got vaccinated. Oh, yeah. That place is huge. Yeah. And the ad is not, like, they rented out, like, the L.A. Convention Center. Which I'm assuming has to be even bigger. And it was full. Like, you see all of those videos. It's just packed full of women. Yeah. And men as well, because they would also bring their husbands. Yes. And then they start talking about these conventions again. And literally during a convention, Mark starts preaching from the Book of Mormon, which kind of made a lot of women question, like, what does this have to do with selling leggings? Yeah. At that point, one of the women make a comment being like, this seems a little culty. Like, here's all these women, these like LuLaRoe clothing, and here's Mark preaching passages from the Book of Mormon. Like, he started thinking that he was literally Joseph Smith. I think that's the guy. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. I'm not religious. It's, it's okay. I, I have seen the Book of Mormon, the musical, and that's, like, my... Oh, so, yeah, you know everything about it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, it's basically some dude named Joseph Smith. Like, he found these two blocks that was, like, the New Testament, but he couldn't show anybody because God wouldn't let him show anybody. You just had to believe him. Uh. And then, like... Uh, what was it? Um, I don't know. Humanity like started in the U.S. It's oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and like every good per, like every deity, he was misunderstood. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and he basically tried to compare himself, and these women are like, yeah, there's there is a lot of women that are Mormon there, but a lot of women are like. We're not Mormon. What, yeah. what's, what's this, going this company on? has literally nothing to do with our religion. Why are yeah. we talking about this? Like, um, cool, yeah, Jesus came and went, but, like, did he sell the leggings? Like, was he offering, like, 50% off? <laughs> like, what does this have to do? Did Jesus roll out of the grave on the third day in a LuLaRoe leggings? <laughs> yeah, 
And then as it descends, you were you were to always be wearing Lula yes. If you were a sales consultant, if you were going to the conventions, if you were ever going to meet with Mark and Deanne, if you're not in LuLaRoe, why are you not in LuLaRoe? Yeah, like in a way, like, yes, that makes sense. Like when I worked for a retailer, they did like they had a dress code for you to follow, but then they also expected you to wear the clothes that were from said retailer and they would provide you with like um i think we got like 75 percent off like one piece of clothing like a month and then we got like 50 percent off like everything else so it's like i understand like wanting to like represent the brand Mm -hmm. but this was a little bit too much like it was just they would have to wear it all of the time yeah if you posted on social media and you weren't wearing lularoe why aren't you wearing LuLaRoe? You're posting on social media. You have to be yeah. wearing it. Well, meanwhile, your retailer wouldn't have been like, hey, Amy, I saw you went hiking the other day. Why were you not in the new... Like the new like clothes we just launched. Yeah. You know? Uh, maybe because we're, we we sell formal wear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very like, I'm not going to go hiking in heels and a dress. Thank yeah. you. And so they, so they started policing what you would wear. And then... They started policing how much you weighed. Yes. This part to me was very... This is to me is when I was like, red flag, cult, 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 cult. So what happened was... So Deanne is a bit of a bigger woman. In the beginning of the like, documentary, you see she was a bigger woman. Yeah, so, she's plus size. Yeah. So Deanne went to Mexico to get the gastric sleeve. So if people don't know... So there's gastric bypass surgery. Yes. And then there's a gastric sleeve. So what a gastric sleeve does it's basically a sleeve around your stomach so when you eat your stomach thinks it's it tricks your stomach into thinking it's full yes so when a lot of people like to get gastric bypass surgery in the u.s you have to be over a certain amount and you kind of have they doctors try to get you to exhaust all other options before yeah because they do it's, that it's it's a da- it's a very dangerous yes. surgery so but down people will often go down to mexico to get this surgery because there's quite a few surgeries that are not approved in the u.s so people will travel to get them that's like turkey has a huge surgery tourism industry oh yeah so does um korea yeah so deanne got this surgery and she lost quite a bit of weight like you compare and it's quite a bit of weight it it was it was a little shocking to see those photos like she didn't go like straight super super tiny but Mm -hmm. like there was a difference and you're like oh okay so so deanne started if you were let's say in with the inner circle she would try to talk people into getting the gastric sleeve like and she would set you up with a surgery because you know they all wanted to be cute they didn't want to be around bigger girls right Mm -hmm. she's the leader of the cult and you know and once she loses weight she's like everybody else should look like me everybody else needs to lose weight and so one of the one of the girls from earlier is, is it Courtney? I believe it was Courtney. Yeah. She so she was very high up in the company. She was one of the top sellers. She literally got added to a group chat called the Tijuana Skinnies. That's literally what it was called. <laughs> and they would text them weekly to try and pressure them into getting it. And then one of the girls turned her down and they started like acting really cold to her. Yeah. And then so Courtney, what she did was like, okay, well, I'll get the, there's a weight loss balloon you can get. Which is approved in the state. Yes. So she ended up getting that because she was like, no, this doesn't seem safe. I'll try this. This is approved in the States. She got it. It did not work. They had to take it out literally like the day after. Yeah. And then Deanne was like, this is, 
that always happened. This is why you should go down to Tijuana. I will because Deanne had her sister doing all of this. Yes, setting these women up, trying to get them down, and like women were going down. Yeah, basically it was like Deanne's sister would drive you down to Tijuana. They would drop you off to get the surgery, and then you would fly back home. No problem whatsoever, right? Sounds like a pretty great deal. And even there's a like there's like a video of like Deanne from the doctor being like, I have sent like. 18 women to you and we've had nothing but fantastic results which is so crazy and then yeah after Courtney got her sleeve that or her balloon that almost probably killed her Mm -hmm. and was like no I'm not gonna go get this sleeve that's when Deanne started acting cold yeah and that's kind of when a lot of these women were realizing this is very cult-like. They want us to dress the same, look the same, act a certain way, yeah. portray themselves a certain way. Yes, this was their job, but I will make it very clear. Your boss, your CEO, is not your friend. No. I don't care. They can be the nicest CEO in the world. They can be, like, the greatest CEO. Like, the CEO of Costco was like, you are not changing the price of the Costco hot dog. I will kill you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can be so wonderful, but they are not your friend. No. They are your boss. And the fact that they want to manipulate how you look is a sad fact about a lot of jobs. But you're supposed to be an independent retailer. What does you have, you being 50 pounds lighter, be in a difference of you selling clothes? There's no difference. There's no difference, right? And it was just, it was, it was starting to become apparent to these women that this company was a very, very unhealthy work environment. Yes. You can see that they're starting to kind of the rose color is like disappearing and Mm -hmm. those red flags that were not seen before becoming a lot more visible now. No, they have become so apparent and these women, especially the women at the top, are starting to realize, holy shit, I'm in a cult. This is not right. So then the documentary goes and bring introduces you to Becca Peter, who she has spent the last four years just talking and researching about LuLaRoe. So they they bring in a woman who I see myself in. I was going to say, I'm like, Kelsey, like on steroids. Yeah. (laughs) I see like my morbid curiosity. And she's just taken it to like the max. And she's been like researching this company and she hates this company. And Becca, uh, uh, she comes to this like point where like she also believes that like it's not the women's fault because LuLaRoe were selling them like fake promises of like you could be an adult who can attribute to their home, which is what a lot of the women, they were stay at home moms. They wanted to help. And they were considered that they was like a, like you were living like a blessed life if you were helping like sell all this stuff you can give your family this like huge life and it also like gave women a sense of community which is something not a lot of stay-at-home moms get because they're with their children like 24 hours a day seven days a week and it also made them feel like they had a business Mm -hmm. which is that woman empowerment which is like what LuLaRoe was like shoving down their throats but it was so fake and bad and toxic. It was. They kept saying, family first. We're family first. And literally, that is like the slogan of a religious political group in BC. Family first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And... It was 100% the opposite because they were trying to utilize the, un- they, as they said, the underused market of stay-at-home moms, and they wanted them to start the business. But then 
they were they they were like so you're going to start the business you're going to grow your business and then you're going to get to the point where your husband's going to take over yeah i remember there was like a line of there was like a husband giving like a panel talk at one of the conventions and he's like i gave my wife like five thousand dollars to like put into lularoe then i saw how much money she was bringing in and i was like I need to be a part of that. Let me see what you're doing with my money. And I'm like, I was like, that is so unhealthy. That is such an unhealthy mindset. And then they start talking about these disgusting views that, you know, they're trying to prep this, oh, like women's business, but they still have these disgusting misogynistic views. They literally put on screen, the four suggested don'ts. Don't talk man to man. Don't mother him. Don't have better ideas. And don't admire other men's qualities. Yeah, and never do anything that would ever make your husband look bad. That is just so, like, first of all, that is so incredibly toxic. And they're spouting this shit in literally, like, 2016. That is almost six years ago, which is really gross. Um, Again. But... It doesn't matter if that was in, like, 2016 or even, like, today. And it doesn't matter if you're in a a straight relationship, a gay relationship, like, anything at all. That is such an unhealthy mindset, especially to be pushing out of business. Because they would reinforce these toxic gender stereotypes. And then, but they were hiding behind this, like, very thinly veiled, thin veil of feminism. Because they would try to use, you know, why we all make fun of it. Girl boss. Well, it's also, there was a huge, like, back when, like, it's funny because they talk about how, like, Deanne's mom, like, wrote a book, which is kind of what a lot of the values on LuLaRoe are based on. But it was a book that was written back in, I don't know what year it was, but, like, Mm -hmm. when women's rights were being, like, fought for a lot in the States. Oh, in the 70s. In the 70s, yes. And it was one of those books where all the women who were against women's rights were basically, like, you're taking away my freedoms as a housewife. You're not allowing me to be a stay-at-home mom anymore which is not at all true mm-hmm. like that was never being taken away but that is what these women saw yeah <laughs> yeah so like, it was, i just i can't say anything but no, yeah what the fuck is exactly that? so yeah. that's where a lot of these things were coming from is like these women were like feeling like attacked which mm-hmm. no one was attacking them women just wanted to fucking be able to like vote and have rights and have their own goddamn credit cards and yeah. have a house it's all they wanted. No one was stopping you from staying home with your husband. Exactly. That is still your choice. If you like your husband, cool. Stay home with him. If your husband's beating the shit out of you. Allow allow him to be divorced, yeah. okay? Like, yeah. just allow it. That's all it was. It was just incredibly terrible, toxic stereotypes. And, and she was, like, shoving her mom's teaching, like, underneath the thin veil. Like, oh, girl boss, this is for you. But, you know, don't upstage your husband. Yeah. Like, this money you're making isn't for you. It's for your family. It's for your husband. Yeah. And they wanted they wanted to pretend they were being feminists without literally changing nothing. Exactly. Yeah, like you can you can run this business, but not without your husband's permission. Yeah. Or your husband's gonna provide you the money. Yes. Or like start getting your husband involved. Like that's what they wanted to do. They wanted they always said like retire your husband. And one of the couples that was interviewed, Paul and Tiffany, Tiffany always said that it was her who would be like selling the clothes or all that stuff, but she was always introduced as 
Paul's wife, Tiffany. It was never, hi, I'm Tiffany. Even though Tiffany did 90% of the work for the business, they just found their niche with Paul would like wave a shirt on camera and that's how they got like more people to buy. But Tiffany was doing all of the order, everything. everything else. Yeah. And like Paul admits that too. And he's like, this is my wife's business. Yeah, but they were, would talk to me first before they would talk to Tiffany. Which was, again, <laughs> yeah. I can't stand it. And then here's where it gets like, you just, you, you, the icing on the cake is. So they've brought back like Mark and Deanne are being interviewed. And they asked Deanne to answer a question about empowering women. And Mark, like the straight white man he is, goes, can I just jump in and ask, answer it first? And then I'll let her answer. Yeah. And Deanne's like, oh, sure. Like, go ahead. I want She's literally like, I want to see what you have to say. And I, at first I was like, does she mean that jokingly? But I'm like, no, she legitimately was like, honey, like, yeah, let's see what you have yeah. to say. Let's see what you have to say about empowering women. Yeah, because this is what's really the most important thing here is the yeah. man's perspective. And then we never even hear Deanne's answer. No, it was funny yeah. because we were watching, like, I think it'd been like 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And I paused it and I went... I don't think I've ever heard Deanne's answer to that question. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then, the like, the next thing Deanne says was, like, you know, women, we can be strong, but there's a time to let him be your hero. Shut up. Shut up. Like, <laughs> gross. gross. Like, okay. Yes, of course. Like, there's always times where, like, just, you know, like, you can let your husband, like, you can always let your partner do things for yeah. you. That is fine. But, like... Just the way she said of, like, women can be strong. Women should be strong no matter what. Like, Mm. again, it should always be considered a partnership. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, I just hate it. No, I hate it, too, because so so as someone who is in a straight-passing relationship, yes, I do nice things for my partner. I mean, anybody in any relationship, you should be doing nice things for each other. Because if your partner's an asshole, why are you with them? Exactly. Just do nice things for yourself. But, like, yeah, I will do nice things for my boyfriend. You know, I'll be like, honey, what do you want for dinner tonight? Or, oh, I made you coffee. But I will never sacrifice myself for someone else. Like, I'll offer to do nice things for him. But... I'm offering. If you're like, yeah. do, it's, it's like, do this for me. It's like, no, do no. it for your fucking self. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, nothing should ever be, like, expected. Yeah. Like, nothing is ever an expectation in a relationship no. besides, you know, just, like, be, like, being there for one another and, like, staying together. Like, yeah. And I would never, ever sacrifice my strength to placate somebody else's, like, thoughts and feelings. Like, I'm a very strong very strong woman yes. and sometimes I'm a little too harsh yes. but I would never be like oh I need you to be my hero I need you to do this for me yeah no like yeah sure every once in a while like I need someone a little bit stronger to open a jar that yeah. is fine <laughs> okay if you can't open a jar what you do is you get a knife with a very thick handle you bang it around the sides of the little jar the jar pops off easily Kelsey, there we has, go how many times have I opened a jar for you this because I want you to be my hero <laughs> oh okay Okay, that's what I just want you to be Thank my hero. You. I know. I'm so small. I'm so petite. I need that every I just once want, in a while. I want to give you a purpose. Oh. I want you to be my hero. Thank you. No. Thank you. <laughs> that's why I'm lazy and I can't find a knife. I can't do it. Yeah, it's not because I don't know. Not because I can't do it. It's because I am lazy. There's a difference. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah, but getting back to it, like as women, sometimes it's hard living in the city because we can often forget that our idealistics and the women we are can be very different from women living in small towns or living in other places, especially because as people who have lived in the southern U.S., there is still that... 
there's a big divide with a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes forget because when I you know see people who are from small towns, I'm like, oh, they're not progressive, but it's they don't have there's not that push. Yeah. That growing up in a big city or living in a big city, you're either progressive or or you get called out so fucking fast. Yes. Yeah, or you, or you end up leaving because yeah. you like oh you're uncomfortable. Grow up, grow up and leave. Grow yeah. up and leave. Yeah, like that's the one because people say like oh you don't you don't live in New York City, you survive in New York City. Yes. Yeah, that's the same thing because if if you're like I'm from a small town, I'm moving to New York. I don't like the gays, girl. There's a drag brunch on every block every Sunday. Like yeah. grow up or get out. Yeah. You are gonna see all sorts of queens walking down mm-hmm. the street. All right. Get over it. Yeah, you're going to see queens. You're going to see, like, people on tripping balls on meth. Like, (laughs) you're going to see everything, and you either grow up and realize it's a part of life, and, like, or you you move back to your small backwoods town. Yeah, exactly. So. But the crazy thing is, like, the let him be a hero statement isn't even the worst thing Deanne said. No. The worst thing that Deanne said is, so going back to like fake feminism book that her mom wrote that Deanne would always spurt and this was a moment where we had to pause for a little bit too long because it was a lot to handle and I get the absolute privilege of saying this because apparently I just had to bring it up but Deanne would basically tell women to and I quote get on their knees for five minutes a day and then your husband will let you buy whatever you want unquote and literally one of the consultants was that is so unprofessional could you imagine your boss telling you to do that like i understand like sometimes you can joke around yeah. with your boss about well, like silly things like that mm-hmm. but your boss telling you to no 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 absolutely not i think no. i think the dirtiest joke i've ever like joked around with my boss was at the salon my boss she wanted a hairless cat mm. and I was like ew I think they're gross and she was like why and I was like have you ever pet one and she's she said no and I, and I was like feels like you're petting a semi <laughs> stop <laughs> and she just screamed with laughter for like 20 minutes but like that's probably like the dirtiest joke I've ever said to my boss but I wouldn't like if but cause like her and I had a good relationship yes but if she told me oh yeah you know if um Oh, yeah. Oh, I just, like, I really want, I really want to go to Disneyland. But Trevor says no. Oh, just get on your knees for five minutes. I'm sorry, what? You're telling me to do what? What? The thing is, like, you could joke about, like, sexual things, ideas, whatever, about other things. But, like, when it pertains to your own life, I feel like that's when it gets, like, incredibly inappropriate. Like, people can make dirty jokes. That's fine. Yeah. But when it's dirty jokes pertaining to the people talking, especially in a professional environment. Yeah. No. And this is also to do with the business. Like, people are like, oh, you know, because they'd be like, well, your sales are down. You should need to invest more. Well, we don't have, well, we, my husband says we don't have any more money. Well, you know, just get on your knees. And he'll let you, he'll let you buy more stock. Yep. And that's what she meant. Yeah. yeah. I just, that part, literally, I wanted to like, I like, I felt so gross. Like, I just felt so slimy. Like, I need to go take a shower. I was yeah. like, oh my God. And then Deanne literally goes, appreciate, accept and admiring your husband and he'll do the same to you okay so so, so just be in a normal relationship yeah so or wait or do should i say oh hey honey uh what do you want for dinner tonight i don't know get on your knees <laughs> oh you want you want pasta for dinner get on your knees <laughs> Jeez, but that is 
literally, this is okay. That's not my views. <laughs> this is literally this woman's views. And you're like, okay, so right. If it's supposed to be accepting and admiring, well, like, is it quid pro quo? Like it should be yeah. Deanne. It's a two way street in a yeah. relationship. Okay. Yeah. And then they get back to the whole, like we talked about like reti- retiring your husbands because they wanted you to be so dependent on them. Right. Yes. Because they wanted you to not have an exit strategy. Cause li- literally Mark and Deanne say in the beginning episode, what was their exit strategy? Death. Death. So they wanted all of them again, like a cult for you to be completely dependent because let's say, Amy and I shared our finances. You were selling LuLaRoe. I was working at, I don't know, Bulk Barn. Well, if you go tits up, we still have my Bulk Barn salary. Yes. But they wanted you to retire your husband, so all of your money was in this. So if you go tits up, you, you have no way out. Yeah. So basically, like, they were in complete control of your lives. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it would have been, like, financially and personally because they were, wa- like, they were literally watching you because, again... It was a cult. Yeah. Because they would just, they, because the, that's what the mentors would do. They would just sit them down and, you know, tell husbands they could quit their jobs. And they told one of the consultants, Roberta, that when her husband, he was not interested in going in on all LuLaRoe. And they, Deanne said, maybe you should find a new husband then. Like, Deanne. Deanne. Like, your husband is being smart because... We are taught from a very young age anything to do with business. You never, ever, ever put your eggs in, all, in one basket. No, you don't. You don't. It's no, It's so stupid. And anything you do, you never... It's just like we're going, well, if I buy... If I spend all my money on lottery tickets, I could be a millionaire. Or you could just lose everything. Yeah, exactly. It's gambling. It comes back to gambling. Yep. And yeah, you can spend a lot of your money on a big investment, but... You should have some money just in case you lose everything so you can survive. Yep, exactly. Because, so in 2016, the top 0.1% of LuLaRoe realtors were the only ones making 150 k like a month in bonuses. 70% of those women made $0. They were losing money. They were, and that's such a massive chunk of the company. But again, because they were portraying it in such a way, people didn't see that. They were like, oh my God, look at this. I can make all this money, right? Exactly. And then they were going to these conventions, but they weren't actually teaching them how to run a successful business. Their literal advice was keep buying, keep reinvesting. It was just mainly motivational, like aspirational crap. It's all those like, you know, when you see those like fake motivational speakers on like TikTok, that's all it was. And they weren't teaching these women how to run a successful business, what you need to do. Like it was, it was just like, they could have literally like went to Walmart, picked up a motivational poster and like slapped it on the wall and that would have been the whole thing. Yeah. I literally, the stupid bullshit, like if everything is possible, nothing is true. Um... They were just selling a bogus income opportunity. They they were just... They were a wish factory. That's all they were. They were. That's what it was. Yeah. And then, so... So, now we're starting to see the cracks. Yes. And in 2016, this is where the cracks get bigger and bigger. So, in 2016, that's when the cracks started getting bigger and bigger. Because that's when all the product damage came out. So, they were seeing condensation in leggings horrible smell, moldy leggings, faulty zippers, bad seams, pinholes in products they were easily ripping, 
And so they showed women literally just instead of these leggings being these magic leggings where they were buttery, smooth and soft, you pulled a little bit whole. Yeah. Like people, they would put them on and they could like put their hand through the holes they would get or like the tiny little pinholes. They're like, I can't wear these anywhere. There's all these tiny holes and rips and like the mold. I think they said like you could go file for like product faultiness on their Mm -hmm. website and one of the things was literally like stinky leggings and they asked Lachey our girl Lachey did she know about this and she said yeah I walked by them outside every day yeah because they were growing too fast they didn't have enough room in their warehouse anymore so they are just like it's California we can just store products outside right it still rains in California. It still rains in California. Also, sun damage. And yeah, yeah, if things are in bags, yeah, they're going to get ruined. And then the prints were getting so bad. So the print artist, she had to make, her daily quota was 100 different prints. And again, where we talked about prints started looking like artistic vaginas. Yes, that was her words. Yeah. And so she was literally trying to, like, pump out art, and they just couldn't get prints out fast enough because, again, they wanted them to be... That was the whole part of the thing. Like, once they're... These prints were unicorns. Like, once they're here, they'll, you got to get them now. Yep. And then these mentors would all start bringing up their concerns about, like, why is my inventory disgusting? Like, what you're getting product in, it should not be moldy. And they just kept getting shut down. Yeah, like, the company would be like, there's nothing wrong. We don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, they would just, like, gaslight all of their mentors. Yeah, and then these, the names of these sales girls were literally getting dragged through mud because of the company's faulty products. The negative products were just receiving all these comments, and then, and if you, let's say you commented anything, hey, my leggings are moldy, they'd be removed. Yeah, because they still wanted to look proper on social media. Like, nothing was wrong. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's fine. But the thing is, because it's an MLM, they have to buy from, they have to buy their product. They now owned that product and they bought faulty product and now they're like how are we going to get rid of this and then mark and deanne claimed it was just a social media problem that things were being blown out of proportion and just like it was just an exciting time and they're just literally sitting there lying through their teeth yeah you can see them like smiling at each other in like such a distinct way and especially when deanne was like it was a fun and exciting time bitch you know what you're doing you know what's wrong and you're just blatantly ignoring it and then literally Mark says another completely out of pocket thing Amy would you like to say this one oh my god yeah because Mike being the pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of man literally out of nowhere Mark just goes and says that he wanted to lobby Congress to put a sign in every maternity ward in the country that says, welcome to life. Results may vary. Mark, what does that even fucking mean? He's a, he's a white man not taking responsibility for what he has done and yeah. blaming it on others. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, oh, like your inventory sucks? Not my problem, even though I run the fucking company. Yeah. Sir. Oh my god. Well, it's like, it's like when the leader of a country goes, We need gun control. Cool, aren't you the one to give it to us? <laughs> Shouldn't you be figuring that out? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that your job? And then they created the, the drama triangle because you wanted to escape the drama triangle. So they started bringing this into their conventions. Yes. And. It was, if you complain or criticize, then you're taking the victim mentality. And they started, like, scolding them like literal children, going, you're being whiny. You're fine. Your inventory is fine. I don't know what you're talking about. And this kind of turned 
a lot of any like women who weren't <laughs> kind of like fully drinking the Kool-Aid were like, all right, things are not right. Yeah. And this is when things really started to fall apart because some of these women started to realize these people are not your friends. They're using you and the money just is not there. No, you can literally see like the women's faces just start like shattering and mm-hmm. you can tell that like the conversations we're about to be hearing from them are about to get really hard for them to tell. Yeah. And what Mark and Deanne instead of doing instead of, you know, fixing, OK, all right, we have too much product. We need to get a bigger space. They just start would suspend people over complaints about the company asking it to be fixed. Yep. Because, oh, um, there is no problems. I don't know what you're talking about. We can't help you. No, if you're yeah. going to be difficult, fine. Boom. You're gone. Yeah, you're gone. You're gone. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be part of this anymore because you clearly just don't know. So after that, women started to band together because again, this is when Facebook was still really in its heyday. Yes. And they made a huge group calling called Defective LLR, like defectives, defector supporters. Is that what it says? Yeah. And these women were doing this to make themselves not feel crazy because they were being gaslit. Like, there's no problems. What are you talking about? There's no problems. And yeah. they're like. So they started to feel it on themselves. Like, am I making this up? And it was a way for the, again, they say the stay-at-home mom is an underutilized market. Well, they're a great market when they're working with you, but when they're against you... Oh, man. That is that is some scary shit. It's like the, all the, like the white women solving like crimes on podcasts. Yeah. You want stay-at-home moms to solve FBI things? This is how you do it. <laughs> and so they decided to start filing lawsuits. Yep. And then we get to into 2017. Where LuLaRoe changed a lot, but also not at all. Yeah. So they changed to fuck over their consultants even more. So they their bonus checks used to be from signing people up and uh, based on how much inventory. So if Amy signed up under me and Amy ordered two thousand dollars worth of inventory, I took a bonus. I got bonus off how much she ordered that. Yes. But they changed it to be now only how much they were selling. So if Amy ordered two thousand dollars of inventory, if Amy only sold a hundred dollars, my bonus check would only be off Amy's hundred dollars. Yes, and this was to steer away from the fact that they were a quote unquote pyramid scheme because we, they never believed that they were. Yeah, but then the literally the uh, the other part of Deanne's family, I can't remember if he's a son or a nephew or whatever the other guy is. Yeah, I don't know. He's a squirmy little bastard. That's what he is. <laughs> he's like, we're not a pyramid scheme. We have to get away from the pyramid scheme. We are not a pyramid scheme. We're a circle. We're not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yes. I think it was his son. Or son. I don't know. It was I was one so. of her fucking children. Anyway. Yeah. And they created the 100% buyback policy. So this allowed you to send back your inventory if you no longer wanted to sell. They said, very important, they said it was never going away. And they, like, as long as everything had price tags on it and was in the packaging, they would take it back. Yeah. And two major things happened once this rolled out. They had people who were on the fence joined again, joined it because they're like, well, you no, know, there's no risk. There's no risk. And then they had a, the great exodus where a bunch of people left, a bunch of people who were waiting to get out left. Yeah. And they paid over a million dollars in refunds. Which is insane. Which is absolutely insane. So this was really good because, all right, it created less risk. It made them seem a little bit more legitimate. Until September 13th, 2017, they completely got rid of the buyback policy. And they said, too, when this buyback policy came out, it was never going away. No. It was for the foreseeable. It was like for forever. This yeah. will never change. And they took that away real fast. Mm-hmm. 
Because they were probably losing a lot of money. Yeah. And so they went back to the original way where you could not buy back your products. No. No. They wouldn't do it. And... So basically, yeah, when they got rid of the buy-back policy, they went back to the original, but they added even more stipulations. And what they did is if they had to have things, like, sent back, they still allowed a certain amount of product to be bought back. But what they would do is that leaders got nothing refunded till their bonuses were paid. So basically the refunds were coming out of their bonuses now Mm -hmm. since they changed that system to only get bonuses through their consultants' earnings. Yeah. So then these women had massive regrets about joining and they felt they were being predatory towards other women, which 100% they were. Yes. So Roberta, who we talk about, we meet Roberta, who she had a horrendous time with LuLaRoe. She put in her resignation letter on Facebook and it got... She called it goobing. Did we ever figure out what goobing meant? No, she just said that she was goobing and now where I'm like, I don't know what that means, but yeah. okay. But okay, girl. And You goob. Yeah. And then literally goes back to Deanne going, I don't understand why these women were leaving. Like, her head was just so far up Mark's ass. She had no understanding. Yeah, why would they go? Makes no sense. Yeah. So then in October 13th, that is when the lawsuits started coming out. Yes. Over breach of main one was over breach of contract over the buyback policy. If you say a policy is never going away, that is a policy you've made. You can't just randomly change that policy. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure if you do, you have to give it a decent amount of advanced warning. You do. You 100% do. Just like, so Walmart recently got rid of, I think within the last year, they used to price match. They don't do that anymore. They had to announce it like two months ahead of time. Yeah. And you have to file for it too because you're changing a policy because like those terms and conditions, those are like legally binding documents. I mean, nobody ever reads them. I mean, you should, but nobody ever does. Mm-hmm. But you, if you're going to make major ch- changes that affect your company, there has to, you have to announce it beforehand because... If they had announced it beforehand, I'm sure a lot of women would have quickly exited. Yeah. But being the sneaky rap bastards that they are, they're like, no. 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 And the, LuLaRoe said, oh, it was just temporary. Um, the buyback was just temporary, but you literally said it wasn't going anywhere. No, no, no. We said it was just temporary. Yeah. And then... Another big lawsuit was copyright infringement because, again, they had the designers trying to make 100 prints a day. Well, like, how many different prints can you make? So they would tell the design team to just go online, find some artwork, change. You had to think you had to change a certain percent of of it so it's not copyright. But again, when you're designing art with a gun to your head. Yeah, you have you you have no choice. Yeah. And some artists just were like, well, I can't pump that out fast enough. So I'm just going to blatantly rip shit off and send it in because like they're not going to check. They're not going to check. Absolutely not. And they had no other choice. Like, a lot of them felt they had no other choice. Then they'd just rip off. Yeah. Yeah. And then another big lawsuit is the My Dyer lawsuit. So, My Dyer was the manufacturer of the clothing. And... This was the first company that called them scammers. Yeah. yeah. They supplied the clothing, and they claimed that they that LuLaRoe owed them over $49 million. And they... No. They felt LuLaRoe knew that they weren't going to be able to pay for the product, but they kept ordering anyway. They just felt like they were going to keep ordering no matter what, but that was because Mark was friends with the CEO, Daniel, and they were even in this, like, weird, like, car group. They owned this, like, specialty car that Mm -hmm. no one else owned. Cool, that's great. They have tiny dicks. We already know this. But 
they also made allegations that LuLaRoe was hiding money in LLCs. And for those who don't know what an LLC is, it's basically a type of legal en- entity that can be used while forming a business. And it just offers protection and liability for any of the debts that a business incurs. So it helps protect your personal assets against like any lawsuits. So they they were hiding money. They knew what they were doing was yeah. wrong. Oh, they 100% knew. Yeah, and because then they had over 32 LLCs under LuLaRoe. Yeah. And then LuLaRoe tried to counter sue them and literally everyone's like it turned into the meme of just Spider-Man pointing at They himself. literally have that in the documentary. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, this no." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so they have all the lawsuits going on and so we have Courtney, who we've previously talked about. And so Courtney decided to leave. And when Courtney left, all of the employees were told to not talk to her anywhere or they would be terminated. So basically, if once you left LuLaRoe, this company that was supposed to be your community of friends, of women empower women, no. You've been blacklisted. You've been blacklisted. It's like a cult. Once you leave a cult, like once you leave the Amish, you are shot and your family's not allowed to talk to you. Yeah. When you leave a cult, no one's allowed to talk to you. Yeah. And so the first person to reach out to her was Sam. Now. Oh, Sam. Sam. Sam had, according to him, quit. Yes. According to Deanne, had been terminated. There was rumors circulating that he had been inappropriate with some LuLaRoe saleswomen. He denies that this is true. Yep. Nothing is ever told, like, other than this. They're all rumors. They're all rumors. And then he got a cease and desist letter that said he could no longer speak to his aunt, Deanne. Which is insane. Yeah. So, and then, so when they're, because they also are showing the shots of the deposition, and they're asking, what did Sam do? And they're all like, I don't know. I can't recall. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about Sam in the deposition. Which is so crazy. So, like, you're like, what did he do? What did he do? Which now, looking back on, like, the first half of the documentary, like, Sam was very much like, oh, it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's a MLM. And we were like, why is he so, like, cool talking about, like, sh- talking shit on his aunt? Now we know why. <laughs> so, Sam, reaching out to our girl, Courtney asks her if she wants to invest in his weed business. So it was supposed to be a grow up in Hawaii, I think, that was run by like the mob somewhere. No, it was going to be in California, but it was run by like some random mob guy. Yeah, and he, she was like, well, is there, we're going to need like a contract? No, no, we don't need a contract. She's like, well, I have to talk to my husband. No, don't talk to your husband. Just give me (laughs) $40,000. And she's like, what? So he sends her just a picture of cash. He's like, this is how much you can make. Like, this is guaranteed. And Courtney was like, this seems kind of weird. Like, why does he just have a photo of cash? So Courtney, being the smart little lady that she is, did a little lovely Google reverse search and found that it was like a stock photo that was taken off of someone else's Instagram. And, like, told Sam this and was like, I'm not interested in investing in your business. And the whole time, Courtney has this, like, massive smirk on her face or being like, what What did she say? Oh, like, she was, like, laughing, being like, you can't even make up these stories. Yeah. And then Sam finds out that it was a Ponzi scheme. And he's like, yeah, I got scammed. And he's just, like, sitting there. And it's the 
awkwardest moment. Because he's literally just like, yeah, I got scammed. Like, no big deal. Like, oh, yeah. I get scammed, like, every week or something. And you're like, all right, so this makes sense. This, can, this man's character arc makes sense now. Yep. Yeah. But then we get to 2018 and they're still facing over 20 lawsuits. They literally had a convention, even though they owed hundreds of thousands of dollars to people. They paid for Kelly Clarkson to perform at that convention. So Kelly Clarkson, you are now on the list. Yeah. And they bring back my boy, Daryl. <laughs> and Daryl goes, to this day, I will not listen to Kelly Clarkson because... He is just so disappointed in her that she would go to that convention. And he says, that really sucks because I really liked her. I can't even listen to my favorite song anymore. And I loved Kelly Clarkson. But Daryl <laughs> is a strong man and he will boycott Kelly Clarkson till the day he dies. I respect that man. Oh, I do. So yeah. good. And then they started having these like infamous meetings where basically they would like bring their like point one percent into like a room and make them like sign these papers on like whether they were fully in or fully out of the company mark was like threatening people and it was unacceptable to even question him about anything going on in these meetings and then after they would hold these meetings people would be fired they would just send out a mass email being like someone was fired today one of the heads up was fired and nobody would know who. And then four hours later, they would send out an email to the person who had been fired. Mm -hmm. So they were like gaslighting and freaking everybody out without actually telling the person who had been fired. Yeah, and that's how Tiffany got fired. Yes, that's yeah. how Tiffany and her husband got let go. Yeah, because she, she was asking everyone on a team, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, is everyone fine? And then she's like, no, we got fired. Yeah. So in 2019, the Washington state filed a civil lawsuit against LuLaRoe for operating as an illegal pyramid scheme, which it was. Yep. <laughs> um, Big shocker. Yeah. And they were like, no, it's not a pyramid scheme. And oh, it's their son, Jordan, because their son, Jordan, literally, they have video evidence of him using the word pyramid scheme in accompanying vi video where he's claiming, I don't know what to talk about. And it's like. And, like, Mark and Dan go, no, 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 that's not what he meant. He just couldn't think of the right word. He was just misunderstood, which literally made me think of that scene in Parks and Rec where the, what's her name? Oh, um, I don't know. John Ralphio's sister. Just Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Mona Lisa just goes, I've never done anything wrong in my entire life. And her dad just goes, I know, sweetie, and I love you. And then she just goes, money, please. Like, that is literally that, what that whole scene reminded me of. It was like good old, like, nepotism. Yeah. And, like, although they had kind of changed things on paper in 2017, they weren't following that stuff. No, they were not. And they, Mark even literally says they never tracked their retailers' profits. They only just tracked the bonuses for signing up people because they just wanted to show off the achievements. And another stupid thing Mark says goes, well, if you were misled, it's not my fault. Yeah, that's your fault for not understanding what yeah. you were signing up for. You were using misleading language. Mm -hmm. So it is your fault. You were luring people into a trap. Yeah. And I mean, their appearance scheme, LuLaRoe is, well, it's, they did everything every other MLM has done. They just got caught. Yes. Because there's actually rules to how an MLM can be to function legally. That's why we still have them. Yes. That's why we still have Airbon, like, and all the Avon, other shit. Avon, Tupperware, yeah. any of those. So that you have to have a buyback policy. You have to have a 70% rule, which means you have to sell 70% uh, 70 of your inventory in order to get more. And you have to have a 10 customer rule. You have to have at least 10 customers not selling to just other reps of other distributors. 
Which makes sense. Like, that, to me, I'm like, that's how I under... Like, now I understand why people still do MLMs. Because mm-hmm. under this set of rules, that doesn't sound that bad. It's it's still predatory, but it's not as bad. Yes. Except for the fact that in 20... Oh, since 2016, over 100 of the LuLaRoe retailers have had to file for bankruptcy. Yes. Because of their terrible, terrible practices. The companies, not the other people. And the reason, like, LuLaRoe was exposed and not able to get away with this anymore is, again, the community of women banded together. And the women would, like, they are so well-connected in their communities that they would just tell everybody. And so it was kind of it was kind of sweet because it was a nice example of how, like, women can, like, come together and, like, expose wrongdoings. I kind of wish we would take this energy and channel it towards other things, too. But, you know, start small. Let's take down an MLM and work our way up. Yeah. So in 2021, Lularo settled the case with, uh, with Washington for $4.75 million. And then another woman they interview who had a lawsuit with them. She wasn't allowed to say because it was settled out of court. Yes. But our boy Daryl, he just sets the scene for us. He goes, I have a vision of sitting at the patio at Miguel's, which was across the street from the Lularo office. Sipping my drink of choice. Full disclosure, it's a vodka cram. Oh, Daryl. <laughs> and watching the repo men take everything out of the building and seeing Mark and Deanne cry on the first floor. I'll never get it, but I just... Oh, I just want it. And Daryl is such a visionary man. I love this man. This man, like, he looks so bland, but he is so salty and cutthroat oh he is just like he just fucking hates LuLaRoe you can tell that he fucking hates Mark and Dan like he's willing to just like trash them I'm sure like if you just gave him a match and we're like we're not gonna look Daryl he'd be <laughs> like be on fire so yeah but this brings up a really like good point of like a lot of these people were like really said to be a part of LuLaRoe like at the beginning Daryl yeah. again was excited and then things started falling apart mm-hmm. and it just kind of goes to show when you stop caring about like ethics and morals and the people who are like part of your business and are consumed by greed shit falls apart real fast mm-hmm. and you know people were drinking the Kool-Aid at first and now like a lot of women they're like it ruined my life like oh what two of the women they talked to ended up getting divorced. Yep. Yeah, one woman, she had to, like, she sold both of her cars and her house. She, when she doesn't have her kids, she eats crackers because that's all she can afford. Yeah. And she used to be the top seller. Yeah. Which is, like, such a fall from, like, it's it's really upsetting to hear Mm -hmm. this. It's so, so, so upsetting. These, like, poor women, it's not fair. It's not fair. And that's, the sad thing is, is... No MLM has actually ever been stopped. And that's why we still have them. And they just, or they get diffused and they just start new ones. Yes. These people, predatory people will always be around. And unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do about it unless unless major legislation is put in place. Like today, LuLaRoe is still running. Yeah. Like, like at this point, like back in like mid 2021, like they are still in business, but they have slashed their their startup costs by 90%, which is insane because it was like, what, like five to 10 grand depending. Mm -hmm. So like what now it's like a thousand dollars maybe. And like, they're still attracting new retailers. Yeah. And it's crazy. And one woman they even interview says, I'm still excited. I'm still doing it. I'm still excited to get inventory. And you're like, ah, honey, I was rooting for you. Not not rooting for you anymore. Yeah, like it was just, it was so crazy. Like 
And it kind of made me wonder because a bunch of these women still had like a lot of LuLaRoe clothing behind them as Mm -hmm. they were being interviewed. So obviously they're not done. Like they're still in the company. They're still drinking the Kool-Aid and not letting Mm -hmm. it go. And so I went to their website. I also went on a private browser so they hopefully would not track me. And even if you go to their their happiness policy, their return refund and credit exchange policies, they still don't sound great. Like, you go on their website, it's still, they have not updated their logo, which, girl, you need to up. If you're going to rebrand, because they're talking about LuLaRoe 2.0, change your logo. And... There, if you go to their About Us, it goes, our mission is to create freedom, serve others, and strengthen families through fashion. It's a community where lives are being improved through love, purpose, confident trust, and growth. First of all, that is a terrible company mission statement. That is far too long. Mm-hmm. Second of all, they don't, they still don't know what they're doing. They don't make... It's all just like fake buzzwords. It's all it, just buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Yeah. And it, they're, they're about pages all bullshit it's so bullshit and they glaze over the facts like i'm i can't it just makes me visibly mad it's it's, it's so terrible yeah like LuLaRoe 2.0 is just same bullshit different packaging and at the end of the documentary i don't know how long ago all the interviews were taken but it said like when the documentary came out like they refused to make another statement mm-hmm. but the response that we got from them is after like all the lawsuits and stuff were figured out. The response of LuLaRoe was, we continue to bring greater focus to our mission of improving lives and strengthening family through the principles of entrepreneurism while continuing to educate small business owners about the opportunity found in personal responsibility and individual choice. That last line is disgusting because you're still placing blame on the people that you tricked. Yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah. But our lovely documentary ends with our boy Daryl giving us a Star Trek quote. Because, of course, Daryl watches Star Trek. Yeah. Of course he does. That basically, I don't remember the full quote. It was a little long. But it basically was, history will remember the victors. And so I hope that people going forward, anytime the LuLaRoe is mentioned, the people who are still selling it, they're only going to be known as like, oh, that's that MLM, right? Mm-hmm. That was in trouble all those years ago. Yeah. I think the documentary, it's episode four was kind of because episode three was very much the climax of the bullshit that was going on. Yeah. And it was wild. Episode four kind of slowly like took us back yeah. down. Like episode three was a lot. I think we paused it 12 minutes in. Yeah. Because we were like. <sighs> and I think my my thoughts on the documentary was I think it was all done. I think I thought it was gross that Mark and Tian will not take any responsibility for anything. Yeah. I mean, did I expect they would? Absolutely not. They're self-absorbed idiots who have no care for anyone but themselves and have fully been taken over by greed. Yep. I think that it was a little drawn out. A little bit. A little bit. Like, I I think the... We've talked about, again, the Vice documentary. I think that one's very good and more focused on the bad parts they did. Yes. This one kind of talked about more of the build-up, not so much just the crash. They obviously let... It was, they were trying to draw it out because there was a lot of drama that went on behind the scenes. And I think it's not 100% necessary to talk about that, but it kind of just, 
again, as somebody, Kelsey, who's very interested in MLMs and me, someone who's very interested in like cults, it makes you realize like, because you can watch the Vice documentary and be like, how did this woman like ever believe in all this stuff? Mm -hmm. This documentary really paints a picture on how they were able to like suck all these women in. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of an important aspect to touch on, especially when it comes to talking about pyramid schemes and MLMs, because we can sit here and look at people and be like, how did they, like, why did they sign up for this? Like we had, we know a girl who did one and we were like, oh no, why did you sign up for this? But now watching this documentary, I'm like, it paints a false sense of hope. Well, it's it comes back to basically the frog boiling analogy. It's like when people are like, well, why are you in an abusive relationship? Well, nobody gets into an on the first date, doesn't punch you out on the first date. No. No, it's a build over time. Like when you put a, fro- a frog in a pot of water, if you put him in boiling water, he'll jump out right away. But if you slowly turn the water up and up yeah. and up, he'll stay in it until it dies. Exactly. Like you just get to a certain point, And once you get to that certain point, you don't know how to get out. Yeah. And that's when it becomes really scary and really unfortunate. And leaving leaving is just as scary, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you're like, especially in this case, this is where a lot of these women's income came from. Yeah, no more income and they have no community, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're if you're to lose a normal job, you're you can turn to your, not even like monetary, but you can turn to your friends for support. Yeah. You can turn to your family for support. Well, if these women don't have family and their friends are all in this and then if they leave, everyone's shunned them. They don't have any emotional support. No. And that's incredibly, incredibly difficult. That like takes a toll on your mental health like crazy. So this got a little sad. <laughs> sad but i mean i just hope that daryl does get his vision (laughs) and i would be more than happy to join daryl oh me too i will go to california and i will sit at that restaurant every day until daryl joins me yep and i will drink a vodka crayon with you i don't know why he was embarrassed it's a vodka cranberry daryl i don't know i think it's like that whole like masculinity thing like it's not like a beer you know like he didn't want to i fuck if i know but like daryl i know you'll never hear this but like we love you man yeah so that was our two-parter if you liked this episode and the last episode great if you didn't I'm sorry, but you, you, I don't know. (laughs) Give us ideas. Give us ideas, yeah. (laughs) We Uh, just thought, we wanted to talk about the documentary because it was, it was really interesting. I think this was something kind of like, we've never done something like this before, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of fun to like dissect something because I, I like documentaries. Oh, me too. Yeah, I like documentaries. We've talked about MLMs numerous times. It is unfortunately when you are looking for a job, you will get... Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Like, you get people reaching out to you. And when you're desperate and you need money and you're poor, you know, you are a perfect target. Like, I literally get an Instagram DM almost every single day. Hey, we want you to be a brand ambassador. We'll give you free stuff. Maybe that's something we should look into. Maybe. Because they're, they, I keep getting them. And they're really annoying. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to peddle your crap. Maybe that's something we should look into. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Maybe that can be an episode. Okay. Should I stop blocking them? (laughs) Save them? Yeah. Just start saving them. Or screenshotting them. Watch. I don't get a single one. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But yeah, Amy, I think we should leave it there. I will think I would give, if I had to rate the documentary out of five, I would give it... 3.5 
three and a half, four stars. Yeah, I'd probably give it like that kind yeah. of rating too. You know, mm-hmm. it was again a little bit drawn out. We didn't need all the drama, all mm-hmm. the information, but I did like all of the different perspectives and just kind of learning about all the inner workings of the company. Mm-hmm. So I thought overall they did a pretty good job, even though this was a doc. <laughs> this was a documentary about a terrible company put out by Amazon, another terrible company. But we don't need to talk about that because you know what? We'll never win. It's fine. <laughs> and with that, Amy, give us the outro. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We really hope that you enjoyed this two-part series. If you want to hear more about us talking about documentaries or anything like that, just let us know. You can follow us on Instagram at Can You Take My Shift. We also have a Facebook page, same name, and you can find us on Twitter at CYTMS Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor, and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can follow Kelsey on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kelsey Peets. And you can follow me, Amy, on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Shelly Amy. And, um, and I think that's all we got for this week. So until next time, Kelsey, can you take my shift? I told you I'm going to be in California with Daryl. Oh, without me? Can you even come to Vodka Crans for all of us? Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks. has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system.